Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. Becky's actually out of town today, so I have a wonderful guest host <laughs> with me speaking. Um, uh, she's she's uh, been... Becky's off in Memphis. She is. Yvonne. I know. Can you believe that? And so Yvonne's here to help me co-host today. This is Yvonne Nydigger. So thank you, Yvonne, for being here. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. And Becky, we know you're out there enjoying some country music and some darn good barbecues. So, <laughs> yeah, she's actually speaking um, um, this oh, weekend. It's going to so. be an exciting event for her. She's such an incredible speaker. I know she's going to be awesome. Well, my name's Yvonne, and I am uh, a seven-year cancer thriver. And I'm also the patient outreach coordinator at the Breast Friends Organization. So I'm super excited about today's topic because a lot of our ladies are coming to us at the time when they are looking to really thrive beyond their diagnosis. So our guest today is Heidi Bright. Heidi refers to herself as a cancer thriver. She's a national speaker and a three-time published author. Your kind of girl, Sharon. Absolutely. <laughs> and she's going to share with us today how she became a cancer thriver. Welcome, 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 Heidi. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Absolutely. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and, and just take a moment to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with cancer and where it's brought you to today. Well, it all began for me in 2009. I was sitting in the oncologist's office and I got the paralyzing message. There was no cure for this uterine cancer that I had. I was terrified and in shock. Wow. I didn't even know what to ask. <laughs> yeah, I, already- I know. Stage four, yeah, yeah, these are totally different language, and it was already stage four with the most aggressive type of cells. Oh my gosh! And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you remember sitting there in the doctor's office and wondering, oh my, oh my gosh, this is a death sentence. That's what it feels like. Yeah, it sure does. Especially, wow. As, yeah, especially stage four. And so uh, I don't know I was, a lot about uh, uterine cancer. So did you have any symptoms? I mean, how did you even? find out about it? Well, the problem with it, with a uterine sarcoma, which is what I had, is that um, it appears like a fibroid on ultrasounds, and there's okay. no blood draw that can determine what it is. Right. So the only way to find out if you actually have cancer with a sarco- uterine sarcoma is to have a hysterectomy and then oh, send boy. it to pathology. So oh, that's my. a real problem for a lot of women. And I, I, the statistic I heard recently was that one in 350 women who have fibroids actually have a uterine uh, sarcoma. Wow. They, they used to, when I was diagnosed, they said it was one in 10,000. And I thought, eh, you know, I maintain my weight, I eat organic food, I exercise, I meditate an hour every day. I don't have cancer. Yeah, do all the right stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm- Unfortunately, so that, that doesn't that, give you any guarantees, that, does it? Shock. Yeah, for sure. So, did you have any bleeding or any pain or any? Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah, I had okay. lots of bleeding and pain. That's why the doctor okay. ordered the ultrasound. Okay. Mm, well, it looks like fibroids. <laughs> Oh, okay. And that but that's the that's the secret is that it could be cancer even if it's just fibroids. Oh, I'm getting it. Well, doesn't this all well, come back around to the fact that you know, we keep we keep telling women in particular that we have to learn how to be more proactive in our health and to take the time to question uh, oh, it's just fibroids. It's it's this or it's that and and you know, it's amazing that in today's day and age, there are still situations where things are getting by doctors because they assume it's nothing. So it's it's always important to emphasize that sometimes we have to make a louder noise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm, yes. Rare disease day was on Tuesday, and sarcomas are very rare. Only one in 100 cancers are sarcomas. Only uh, there are five di- five different kinds of uterine sarcomas. Three of those are quote unquote common, like there's a few thousand with those, and then there was me. <laughs> uh, are you an overachiever? <laughs> oh my gosh! So I've, only heard of, I've only heard of three other women with the same type of uterine sarcoma, a similar type, I should say. Um, and this was in 2009, so, so obviously it wasn't a death sentence for for you. Wow. I'm sorry, I missed part of that. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, um, since you were diagnosed in 2009, it obviously was not a death sentence for you. Correct. But it could very easily have been because when I was diagnosed, they didn't expect me to last more than a few months because it was already metastasized to my lungs. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. Okay. Scary. And and between that... Between diagnosis and when I started chemo, that was six weeks. And during that time, I went from one nodule in my lung to four. Oh. And the, and the, last, the last tumor I had was a half an inch when I was scanned. By the time I had the surgery five weeks later, it was two and a half inches. It had grown to five times the size it was when it was found. So it was very aggressive. Wow, it sounds like it. So it's a good thing you went in when you did and got it taken care of when you did. So it was at least discovered at at a place where they could still do something. So if if I understand correctly, you had a, a big uh, treatment plan, 42 chemotherapies over two years, huh? Yes, that was a drag. Golly, <laughs> mm, oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I hear people say, well, I had six chemo treatments and I was done. It's like, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, I, funny. I was just going to say that same for the thing. Rest I... Of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I was jealous of them, too, because after two years, they said, well, we're out of options. There's nothing more we can offer you. Mm-hmm. And I was told to get my affairs in order because they'd seen this kind of stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So, wow, wow. Well, you know, and isn't it interesting? Uh, we we go through situations like that and suddenly we start to talk a brand new language. And, and I'm sure you're like, as you mentioned at the beginning, you go from not having cancer to suddenly having cancer and having to learn the vocabulary and learn, you know, all of these words that are part of the cancer community are so foreign to most of us that that it's amazing how how we indoctrinate ourselves into the process so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that a language you don't want we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to learn. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. 
So, so do you have any suggestions how to cope with chemotherapy? Because obviously you have a lot of experience. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, it's pretty frightening to have chemotherapy because sometimes with me, the nurse would get so gowned up that she would have a mask over her face and gloves on her hands just to handle the bag. And then mm-hmm. she injected oh, that poison into my veins. Oh, boy. So it was pretty scary stuff. Wow. But wow. I came up with a list of my top five chemotherapy tips that are in my book, Thriver Soup. Okay, um, good. And Let me hear them. I'll, I'll give three because that's, that's a quick, easy thing to do. One is usually between each chemotherapy cycle, the patient has to get a shot of Neulasta or Neupogen to bring the white cells back up because they right. die off very quickly with chemo. Well, I learned to use acupressure, visualizations, emotional freedom technique, and to eat certain foods to boost my white blood cells, and I only had one shot the entire two years. So Seriously? I this works. Wow, wow, that's amazing. Good for you. So you said acupressure, the food that you ate, and what was the third one? Visualization. Visualization. Yeah. I have a oh. visualization that I used that was created by a Tai Chi grandmaster here in town in Cincinnati. Wonderful. And I also used emotional freedom technique. Mm, where you okay. give messages and you tap, you tap points on your body. I've heard of tapping, yeah, but I don't really know much about it. Can you explain it a little bit? The emotional freedom technique is, there's a lot of videos on YouTube about it. And it's you tap specific acupressure points and you say certain things at these points. You start out with sort of a negative statement, like even though my white blood cell counts are really low right now, I still totally and completely love, approve of, and accept myself. So while I'm saying that, I'm tapping one point. Then I'm looking at the next point. I might repeat the same thing and gradually modify it to the point where I'm saying... um, my, I'm so glad that my white blood cell counts have come up enough so I can have chemo again. That's fascinating. I, you know, I'm always amazed that that our our mental capacity to overcome some of the obstacles in our life are so underrated. You know, we we don't yes. we don't realize how powerful the the power of our mind, the power of our heart, uh, all of those things in the process of of having this type of treatment can make a huge difference. And it sounds like you know above and beyond what we would normally anticipate. In your case, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. That's why I wrote the book. <laughs> I can imagine. So, so obviously, I, this I is want what to share my, these things with other people so that they can have a much easier time with with the cancer experience and come have a better outcome, whatever that outcome is. Okay. There's so many things that we can do, and that's why my book has over 250 practical tips in it. Oh, that's There's wonderful. So it's, it's a great resource for somebody who's going through this. Mm-hmm. Now, now I wanted to ask a little bit. It says that you've been a you are a three time published author. Was this your first book, or had you written before? I'm just curious about the process of writing this book. I had a book published in 1998. It's called Hidden Voices, and um, I found a publisher in Georgia for that. It's about women in the Bible. Then I had a book published in 2010 that was part of a Sunday school curriculum. 
that is about keeping Sabbath in everyday life. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went to, I found this, this particular publisher I'm with now, Sunstone Press, and came to them with the proposal. They were the second publisher I went to with the proposal, and they wanted the book. Wonderful. Well, good for you. I'm still looking for a publisher, so (laughs) I can use any hints you've got. (laughs) I know. It's it's interesting how when you have um, a a message to get out to the world, it is so important. So kind of tell me the, the process that you went through when you're talking about writing this Thriver Soup book. Well, I had a journalism background. And when I went into Radical Remission, my friends came to me. I had several friends come to me and say, you have got to write a book to help other cancer patients so that they can get to the other side of treatment or at least have an easier time with it. So I gathered information that was from my online blog on Caring Bridge, and I went through my journals, and I had about uh, 50 to 100 books that had already been published that I referred to to gather information And I wanted to put it in a format that would be inspiring. So I pull quotes from over 200, from all the world's wisdom traditions, and I've got over 250 of those. So I start each, I've got over over 250 entries, and each one starts with a quote from a wisdom tradition and how that relates to the cancer experience, whatever it is, and something that people can take away from that that they can apply to their lives. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that concept. I I have read quite a few books with that that premise behind them and what I find so encouraging with those types of books is it gives you such a multi-dimensional experience. You're hearing all of these wonderful quotes, but then you as a as a cancer thriver are tying it into our experience so beautifully. So I, I can only I can't wait to read your book. I'm really excited. <laughs> Thank you. So One with thing all that was the helpful for me. Mm-hmm, go ahead. Um, I went one of the first things I did after I was diagnosed was my, my sister said, get thee to a therapist. So I did. (laughs) Smart sister. (laughs) She taught me, my therapist taught me all kinds of really helpful things about managing the emotions of the experience. And one of the things, one of the most important things she taught me was that there there can be four outcomes when someone has a cancer diagnosis. They can be not cured and not healed. They can mm-hmm. be cured physically, but not healed in their life. They can mm-hmm. be healed in their life, but not cured physically. And I have a friend who experienced that. It was very sad, but I was glad she healed her life. And then the ultimate, of course, is to be cured and healed. Mm-hmm. And the way I relate to that with the spiritual experience is Jesus had 10, people come, ten lepers come to him for healing. And Jesus cured all ten of them, but only one came back to Jesus to say thank you. Mm. That one person had healed his life, whereas the, all of them got cured, but one got healed. So that, that little passage helped me also to understand the difference between healing and curing, and so I have one entry in my book about that. Very good, Yeah. Well, that makes that makes sense, and I know that's one of the reasons that 
the ladies that we work with here at Breast Friends, um, we offer a retreat uh, called Thriving Beyond Cancer, same name as my book. And uh, again, it allows people uh, to be able to heal um, that emotional piece because so often as women, we're terrible about um, asking for help and we just kind of stuff our emotions and we end up going through most of the cancer journey saying, I'm okay, I'm going to make it through this and all this and they don't really express some of their you know, deepest fears and their concerns and really work through that grief and, and their anger and all those things and then they're done with the actual treatment piece of it, and you're right, they're not healed. They're not healed emotionally. Uh, physically, their scars are getting better, but they um, are not healed uh, emotionally or socially or, you know, mentally. Yeah, so that makes complete sense. That's why, that's why yeah, I that, cover all those areas in my book. I've got a whole section on how to deal with the emotions, how to deal with the mind, how to deal with relationships how to deal with nutrition, how to help the body, all of those I needed or I would not have healed my life and I would not be talking to you right now. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Heidi, we're going we're gonna to take a short great break and I, hopefully everyone out there is getting some great information. Please stay with us and, and we're going to be back in just a couple of moments. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our Women's Cancer Program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking to our guest, Heidi Bright, about her experience and her wonderful book. So um, let's uh, go back to your surgical experience. Um, What tips can you offer for facing possible surgery um, and managing the pain that you must have been um, uh, dealing with? I had uh, three major cancer surgeries. The first one, I was in the hospital for nine days afterwards. And I decided after that 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 was not going to happen again. Oh, <laughs> so my gosh. I did a lot of reading about how to manage pain and how to manage surgery. And so I've got uh, my top five tips in my book, Thriver Soup. And one of them is with all the talk about immune, immunotherapy, it's really important for cancer patients to keep their immune systems in top working order as best as they can. And so when having surgery, um, usually cancer patients are given morphine to deal with the pain after the surgery. Well, I have, it's my understanding that tramadol, that morphine suppresses the immune system, but tramadol does not nearly as much. So every time I had surgery after the first one, I would ask for tramadol when I was in recovery and beyond. Oh, well, that's good. Is my physician, one of my physicians, he's an MD, he had studied breast cancer in India, and he said that there were studies done about Arnica, which is a homeopathy remedy that can yes. be used before, during, and after surgery to reduce, uh, to improve recovery times and reduce the perception of pain. The biggest thing for reducing the perception of pain is to reduce inflammation levels in the body, and that involves getting rid of uh, processed foods, trying to eat as much produce as possible, getting rid of the sugars because sugar causes inflammation. That includes white flour, white rice, all that kind of stuff. All the good stuff, darn it. (laughs) All the the yummy stuff, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. adding things like turmeric and ginger to the diet. Now, you have to talk to the surgeon. You have to stop a lot of this stuff two weeks before surgery. But if you know it's coming in far enough ahead of time, you can make these kind of changes, and that will reduce the perception of pain. I, the inflammation levels normally are between 1 and 4. You can get that tested with a blood draw called C-reactive protein. And... My inflammation level is 0.3, so I'm well yeah. below normal, almost wow. a little bit too low probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I keep it down, and that really reduces the perception of pain for me. But again, the doctor needs to be talked to about any changes that are made. Mm-hmm. Uh, another tip that Brad in uh, Portland applied was to, he had lung surgery, and he was worried that he wasn't going to get enough support afterwards. So he didn't know how he was going to be able to take care of himself when he got home. Well, he read in Fiber Soup about these top five surgery tips, and the one that he applied that he thought was most helpful was the CD Surgical Support Series that I recommend in my book. And that has subtle messages in it, like let your body absorb vital energy to heal itself. Mm. And he got out of the hospital a day early. And he was able to take care of himself and get got off the pain meds very quickly, and he's thriving now. 
Oh, well, that's wonderful that to hear. Thank you. So any any special guidance for handling your fear about having cancer and having that potential recurrence or, you know, those kinds of things? This is where the emotional section in my book comes in. Um, my therapist taught me that when I experience worry or anxiety or anything like that, that it's it's a mood, it's not really an emotion. An emotion is energy and motion in the body. It's when we think about what we're afraid of that we fall into anxiety and worry and doubt. Mm, so interesting. the process she taught me is to simply stop the thinking and focus on the sensation in the body. So when I feel fear about the possibility of the cancer returning, I get butterflies in my stomach. But instead of thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, that might be cancer, I simply focus on the butterflies. And they might move around, they might get more intense, but after about 90 seconds, that lifts. Now, if I start thinking about it again, then I have to do the process over again. That has really helped me with managing the fear, and I know it's helped other people. Um, I have a, there's a woman named Grace who has Parkinson's, and she had panic attacks and didn't know what to do with them, and the solution she found in Thriver Soup was in the anxiety pill section, and she said that, she writes that Thriver Soup suggested feeling my feelings actually experiencing the sensations in my body and to just let them be. Eventually, the emotions receded. She says, I felt such gratitude for this practice. And she's doing much better now. She doesn't have these panic attacks anymore. So she found a way to deal with the fear of her chronic disease by using the map that I talk about in my book. That's great. That's wonderful. And it's been um, interesting on my journey. I've learned so many um, techniques to minimize fear and stress and anxiety that I, I, I almost feel it's not a, a gratitude, but I think um, the life lesson of obtaining these tools um, because of my cancer has helped me in other ways. I know a lot of people who, you know, have not had cancer and live their lives fraught with anxiety and stress and the the levels of tension in their world that they allow to create uh, almost an environment that is susceptible to getting cancer. It seems like if we could get more people to carry out these like-minded processes in their regular day in and day out life, not just because they've got cancer, we might find that our rate of cancer in the world has been reduced dramatically because don't you feel that, you know, stress is such a huge issue in our lives and obviously it can be a contributing factor to getting cancer, but then also, you know, like you say, your, your techniques sound like they'd be wonderful for helping patients deal with having that type of stress in their life. Well, getting a t- uh, stress can cause cancer because stress, when we're under stress, our bodies dump hormones into our bloodstreams that cause inflammation. 
inflammation is the root cause of one out of six cancers. They, they, there's research that shows that. So if we can stop that kind of, ex- of stress in our lives or at least bring it down, then we are less likely to have the inflammation that can cause cancer or the, the stress itself in some other way might be contributing to the cause of cancer in our lives. So, yes, dealing with stress is really important. And then when somebody actually has a cancer diagnosis, that can produce symptoms like PTSD, and stress can be a constant reality in the life of a patient. I learned how to handle that through various types of prayer meditation that I learned during this process. Now, I was meditating an hour a day when I was diagnosed with cancer, but I shifted from a mind-based spiritual practice to a body-based spiritual practice. And I explain how to do that in my book. Um, it's keeping the spine straight. You can be lying on a bed, sitting in an easy chair, standing on a chair. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you can't see the position that both Sharon and I are in right now. You would laugh. We're, we're, we're trying to lean over a big, a big old desk to make sure we can both be heard in this microphone. So, yeah, it's funny. But go ahead. Tell, tell us more about that one. <laughs> So keep your spine straight, whatever position your the rest of your body is in, it doesn't matter, but the straight <laughs> spine is important, and then have your hands, uh, palms up in a receptive frame, and then ask for fears and doubts to be lifted, faith and trust to be, to be filled with faith and trust, and also healing energy, and then spend the next 10 minutes simply focusing on sensations in the body, and not, and trying really hard not to think, but just say, Oh, uh, my left toe hurts. Uh, my right finger feels really good right now. You know, whatever it is. Right. Ten right. minutes in the morning, ten minutes in the evening. And after a while, the body will really appreciate that kind of loving attention and will respond to it in a positive way. There's you know a woman I... named Judy. She's single. She lives in Denver. And she knew that when she got cancer, it was a spiritual crisis for her, not so much a physical crisis. So she questioned the existence of God. How could a God of love allow her to get cancer and possibly die from it? Why keep praying? Right. Well, she got a solution in Thriver Soup. I'm sorry? No, I said, that's true. Yes, <laughs> I understand yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So um, Judy was reading Thriver Soup, and, and she realized that she could put her mental questions aside and not worry about them while she was going through the treatments and instead focus on a meditation practice that worked for her. And she liked the one that is body-based because it could get her out of her head. Mm -hmm. And she found that practice very helpful. And she did find that she felt better as a result of that. And she she decided that the questions weren't nearly as important as doing what she needed to do to take care of herself. And now she's thriving. Isn't that great? I I love the fact that you're talking about the body as part of the process. I was very fortunate to find within my um, circle of care at the hospital I was treated at a gentle yoga practice for cancer wow. patients. And I, I, I'd like to encourage any of our listeners who are out there who may be either, you know, going through diagnosis and even thriving well beyond that time period to look into 
addition to the opportunities in their community, we, we've actually focused on a few of them in a program we have here at Breast Friends where um, they came in and gave us a, a wonderful presentation. But I think it's really important that people realize that there are opportunities out there to learn these skills and, and really find a way to, like you say, involve the whole body in the process of healing what's happening. So, uh, and you, you actually talk about a, a treatment called a health treatment scam uh, that are going on out there. You know, we obviously have to worry about, because sometimes when patients get into this process, they read about things and see things that are maybe not legitimate. Um, what kind of scams are you referring to there? Well, it's so easy to waste money on something that doesn't work when you have cancer because you're desperate, you're terrified, and you want to believe that something will work for you. And sometimes the placebo effect works. You know, they believe that something is is helping them, and it does. But the science behind it may not support that. So for me, it was important to find out if something was a legitimate treatment or not. So I did a lot of reading about that. I have a list in Thriver Soup where I talk about what to look for and what to avoid when you're looking at a, a, an a, a alternative or integrative treatment. If you go to a website that's promoting something in particular and it has like tons of testimonials but no real scientific information, it might be a good idea to skip it. Another thing gotcha. would be to ask a lot of different friends about the same thing and you might get different answers. Or you might get all the same answer, but you still need to investigate as much as you can on your own. Um, there was Terry in New York City. He's in his 20s, and he's got a pug and lives in a little apartment. And he had end-stage <laughs> cancer, and he was willing to try anything. And all his friends said, you need to alkalize your body because cancer cannot live in an alkaline environment. Well... He was getting ready to put down a lot of money on a water alkalizing machine. But then he read Thriver Soup. I've got a, an entry in there called Alkalize or Die. And I, I imagine that cancer cannot live in a Petri dish if the Petri dish has an alkaline environment. I'm sure it will disappear. But we do not live in, we are not Petri dishes. We are very <laughs> complex biological systems. And to put alkaline water or things into our bodies, our stomach's going to neutralize that because that's the job of the stomach. Sure. So he decided sure. to let go of, of spending his money on an alkalizing machine and instead decided to go on a plant-based organic diet. And the color returned to his skin. He feels better. His blood draws are better. So he's doing really well. And... I don't think we need to, quote-unquote, alkalize our body, even though that's a very popular idea and a lot of people will stand by it. You know, if it works for you, great, but the science is not there. Well, that makes sense, yeah. So um, when, when you're talking about dealing with these kinds of things that come up on the Internet, because, again, our Internet is our friend, but it can also be our, you know, detriment at times. <clears throat> so... Yeah. How would, how would you prevent becoming a victim to any of these scams? Well, one, one particular product, um, somebody was absolutely convinced would save my life. So 
what I finally did was I sat down at the computer and I typed in the name of the product and the word scam. And I had to go through 20 pages of search results before I found a chemist's website. And he expl- I have the chemist's website in my book. And he explains why these different things did not work, that chemically and biologically they don't work. So I decided not to get the product at that point. You know, the, the, the search engine goes with what's most popular. So mm-hmm. sometimes we just have to dig, dig, dig to find what the truth is. Or right. Or go to a print publication because a print publication they tend to have more research and more time behind they put behind what they put out. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it's well, expensive to put out a publication. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely. And but but that's a great idea putting scam, you know, just the word scam right next to whatever it is, just in case there's anything been written negative about it, so you can at least have make a um, an educated decision on some of this stuff. So that's good. Yes. Well, with this particular one, the, the search results that kept coming up were, this particular product is not a scam. <laughs> oh, it's not a scam. I see. I see. <laughs> so yeah. I had to get past all of those entries to get <laughs> to the truth, you know? <laughs> They're awfully smart, aren't they? It's amazing how they yeah. can get around it. So. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, it's about time for us to go on another break here. Yeah, we've been really enjoying the conversation. Thank you so much. And we'd like to encourage our callers, if you have questions for Heidi, or if you'd just like to ask or tell your story about Thriving Beyond Cancer, to call us at 1-866-472-5792. We'd love to hear from you. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking to our guest, Heidi Bright, who has an amazing book out, Thriver Soup. And she's talking about, you know, how we can really um, thrive after our cancer diagnosis. So this has been a really exciting conversation. So tell us about your role as a national speaker. That sounds fun, especially with Becky being gone to Memphis right now. I know she loves doing her speeches. So tell us about that. Uh, my talk is called uh, the AB. It's the ABCs of healing, subduing the cancer dragon, or subduing the disease dragon. And I talk about the importance of changing our attitudes, and then we're able to change behaviors, and then we're usually able to make major life choices. And right. when it's all taken together, what happen? What can happen? is we have this upward spiral of raising life force energy in the body, and that can bring healing. I'm not talking about a cure. I'm just talking about healing. Sometimes that results in the body getting rid of the disease. So Mm -hmm. I talk about that process in my topic. Great. And so really, I mean, obviously cancer is the one that, both you and I and Yvonne and Becky have all had to deal with in our lifetime. But the reality is, as we get older, there's all these other types of things. Like you mentioned, um, one of your people in the book had Parkinson's disease. So there's so many different diseases or conditions that we actually can get. So I would imagine your your theories for healing really are much further than just cancer. Is that right? Yes, yes. It can apply to just about any disease. Um, there's a woman who has um, ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, and it's devastating, and the doctors don't really have anything to offer. And so she started applying the concepts she learned in my book, and she, had, she has greatly slowed down the pro- progress of the disease by doing this. Wow. Yeah, that, that is a mean disease. I lost an uncle to that disease, and oh my gosh, uh, that, that's a bad one. Yeah. I can't even imagine dealing it with is. that because your body just deteriorates around your mind, and your mind is still functioning just fine. So, Yeah. We, yeah, that's a tough if you one. you able to slow it down. Well, that's at least good. That's that's wonderful. And don't you find too, yeah. Heidi, that um, people who are connecting through these speaking events that you do, kind of like what Breast Friends does here in our organization, when we bring women together to talk about and to share what has worked, what they're going through, I think there's a, a healing factor to empathy and understanding when when you're in a group of women who kind of get what you've been through um, when you're alone and you're so scared that your cancer is going to come back because of something that maybe has triggered that fear but then you come to a group where there are a lot of other women who have had that same kind of, of, of scare and they all kind of they give you the tools the the ability to cope with that by 
almost reinforcing the fact that you're not alone on this journey. I, I know, I'm sure, having spoken myself to a large group, I'm sure you get people who come up to you afterwards and say, you know, thank you for saying that. That's exactly what I've been feeling, and you just put words to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just validating their feelings, I know, is just such a big deal. And knowing that, you know, they're not the only ones that have these scary feelings is huge. Yes, I totally agree with that. Not feeling so alone because you wonder if there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and oh, absolutely. Because everybody else is having the same experience. Well, and especially, and unfortunately, with, with our society, you know, when people ask you how you are and you say, oh, I'm fine, and you're not fine, <laughs> you know, no. and, and so we don't necessarily tell the truth when it comes to that kind of stuff, because, of course, not everybody really wants to know how we're really doing. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a tricky yeah. one, but it's nice that you have these things that you're offering to actually heal the body, but also heal the soul, the mind, the um, you know, the emotions that are, are so fragile. So what was your favorite speaking event that you've done? Probably in St. Louis, I spoke with the National Lyomyosarcoma Foundation. They, they had uh, doctors going all day doing presentations and, and then a psychologist and then I came on. And you could have heard a pin drop. I mean, it was just amazing. I felt I felt like people really wanted the message, and I was very gratified by that. Now, one of, one of my top ten tips, actually, speaking of support, is to find a support community, which it sounds like Breast Friends offers to people, because research shows that those who feel highly supported survive longer. Yes, they do. Absolutely. You're right on. You're right on it. (laughs) Yes, we are. And, you know, we've been doing this for um, 16, almost 17 years now. And obviously we're doing something right uh, to to continue for that long. And we really feel blessed. And, And honestly, Becky and I both feel that um, it is what God put us on this earth to do. So no question about, you know, when you have something like a cancer diagnosis or any other type of a traumatic thing that happens to you, I think it's wonderful when you can turn that around and then be able to support other people through it. Because, again, it's it's just so important to have that, that, uh, that support and being able to have a safe yeah. place to talk about these, t- these topics. So that's great. Yeah. So, and, so tell, tell me more about your other topics that you, you speak about. You said you had one about support. I have one about reducing the perception of pain. And oh, I have, that, that's a really important one for people like with their doing surgery Mm-hmm. And I have I have a few others, but those are the main ones. I also have a talk about nutrition, how to yeah. eat when you have a diagnosis like this, because right. we want to maximize the nutrition that we get in our, into our bodies mm-hmm. and reduce the the harmful components. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so how can people reach you about either hiring you as a speaker or learning more about your book or any of these kinds of things? I have a website, thriversoup.com, T-H-R-I-V-E-R-S-O-U-P.com. If you go to the website, you can sign up for my weekly blog. It's been coming out for over three years. And I'll send a a free copy of my top 10 tips for getting diagnosed 
being diagnosed with cancer. And then if you want more, there's the book. It has over 250 practical tips, solutions, hundreds of solutions that you can have right at your fingertips. You don't have to sit at the computer. It's right there in your hand when you have the book. And I would love to hear what solutions people use from my book that are helping them on their journeys. That's great. That's great. So so I'm sure there's probably more that you can give our we have just a few more minutes we can we can talk about some solutions or some tips. You have any other ones that are uh, burning a hole there <laughs> that you need to that you need to share with our listeners? Yes. Um people tell cancer patients to have a positive attitude. Well, I don't know that that necessarily works. I don't think there's any research that shows that it does. But developing joy is what's, what they have found in one very, very small study to make a difference. You know, it's fine to be really angry the first year. Um, that does not seem to affect survival rates. But after the first year, they found that the people who worked to experience joy in their lives survived longer than those who did not. Mm-hmm. So finding sources of joy are really important. Another one is to write about your emotions. There was another, there were a couple of studies done where they found that if cancer patients spent 20 minutes writing about their feelings, only 20 minutes, they survived longer than the people who did not. Wow. So Dealing with the emotions is really important, and finding joy in your life is really important. And, you know, going back to that joy, I think joy and gratitude are like, you know, first cousins because yeah. uh, joy, you I know, like that. I know, I like that too. <laughs> um, it, it ends up because, you know, sometimes people are so detached from what they really love or what brings them joy so sometimes you really just need to sit down and remember what what have I done in the past that's actually brought me joy and sometimes um, I know we we spend uh, uh, a day at our women's prison in uh, in Oregon doing a self-esteem class and we talk a lot about gratitude and and sometimes you have to get really basic. I mean, you know, if you're in a really funky place and you just can't think of anything that either brings you joy or that you're grateful for because you're in this bad situation, you know, sometimes it's just like I have two hands that work. I can, you know, sit on the potty and do my thing. Um, you know, I mean, really get, you know, getting down to basics sometimes is what you need to remember. And then it gets it's easier as you then can go, oh, today the sun is out and it's not pouring down rain in Portland, Oregon, you know, <laughs> you know, things like that, um, that are that are important to really find your gratitude and figuring out what it is that does make you happy, that does bring you joy. And sometimes that can be tricky. Um, don't you agree? Oh, yes. Yes, when you're in the doldrums of cancer treatment, it's very, it can be very depressing. And, it, and, you know, today I opened my eyes. I'm still here. That can be a point of gratitude, you know, because it's hard when you're going through treatment. It is hard. Absolutely. And it is hard. Writing, having a gratitude practice can really help. 
Yep, absolutely. So I guess we're going to need to uh, wind this up. So why don't you give us a phone number and and a uh, a website again, and then um, we'll have to say goodbye to you today. So tell us that information, if you wouldn't mind, Heidi. It's Heidi Bright. The website is thriversoup.com, T-H-R-I-V-E-R-S-O-U-P.com. And my phone number is on the website, 513-444-0190. And if you sign up for my blog, I'll send my top 10 tips. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Heidi, for being our guest. It's been amazing. So we want to say hi to everybody who's uh, been a loyal listener to us and uh, even those across the pond, as we say. Um, We've got a lot of visitors uh, listeners from uh, the the uh, England area, and so it's exciting to be able to share our messages around the world, really. Yeah. So if you have any topics that you are interested in or that we haven't touched on our radio show, we're always interested in your ideas. So give us a holler um, at Becky at Breast friends.org or Sharon at breastfriends.org goes to the same type of place right here and we also have a Facebook page we'd love for you to like yes absolutely yeah it's a fun things there absolutely it's breast friends of Oregon is what you would want to look at and then also on our website which is breastfriends.org breastfriends.org there's a big blue donation button so if you like what you're hearing there you can always make a donation to keep this broadcast alive so we definitely appreciate everybody listening if you've heard something interesting make sure you share it with your friends or relatives and uh, we just wanted to let you know that we'll be back next week and until then remember there's always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time. 